Yeah, I got you. Guess who's guess who's over here chilling with me is uh old Wayne Davis. Oh man. All right, did you hit the 30 second clock? Oh no. Well, good evening. Happy Wednesday. Check the mute trip. Oh man. <laughs> I'm muted. It's all right. All right. You're good now. So, us again. Happy Wednesday evening, everybody. Welcome to the Lowdown College Basketball Around the NCAA Episode One College Basketball Podcast. Today, uh, we'd like to introduce the show. Obviously, we are working in conjunction with the Lowdown, and we want to make sure that everybody knows that dang it sorry everybody knows that you can come to us for all your uh, basketball information and we will have um, a link in our comment section for merchandise that is available for the next 48 hours uh, so please check that out uh, if you can and I want to make sure that you know that the lowdown college basketball is where we get the lowdown on all things college basketball so if you want to interact with us, please do that. Um, you can interact with uh, the Lowdown College Basketball Twitter handle right here at the Lowdown CBB. If you want to talk to TMAC, uh, hitting off tees and draining threes, that's at TM Swish. And if you want to uh, hit me up, it's at NG Triplet. Uh, so thanks for joining us on this first episode. Uh, obviously, we're in the off season of college basketball, so uh, not a lot of game stuff to talk about, but we do have some news to talk about and uh, some recruiting and a lot of good stuff to get through. Hopefully you will join us here each and every week as we discuss uh, all things college basketball. So Tyler, I don't know if you followed uh, some of this stuff, but I'm going to talk a little bit about some news, get your, your comments, what you uh, think about some of this. Uh, we'll start kind of with uh, the negative, get that out of the way so we can focus on some more positive things. Three players from the Arkansas State men's basketball team were arrested this past weekend um, for a theft of less than $1,000. And that's DeAndre Dominguez, Julian Lunell, and Terrence Ford. So uh, obviously not a great way to start the uh, offseason for these gentlemen or for that team. I didn't know if you had heard anything about that and what your initial thoughts are on this black eye for Arkansas State men's basketball. Well, you know, Trip, if you, if you know me, if you listen to any of our podcasts in the in the past with me and you, I'm a, I'm a big firm believer of second chances. I hope these hope these young men learn from their mistakes, and I hope that these three guys right here, I, I'm not, not not making an excuse for them, but you know, I've had family in Arkansas before. You know, it's not maybe, and I, I say this with all due respect. You know, it's not the uh, there's not a whole lot to do in the state of Arkansas. Jonesboro is a good a good place. Low Rock's a good place, and I know Arkansas State being in, in Jonesboro, these kids probably just got into a little bit of 
a little bit of trouble there in uh, Craighead County, um, you know, but I know the, I know they're aware of the situation, the athletic department, coach Brian Hodgson, you know, they know what's going on. They're still trying to get all the information, but you know, it's not like they, they, uh, they went in there and I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not, not covering for them or anything, but uh, I think, you know, something minimal, less than a thousand dollars. They were just out, you know, wrong place, wrong time, maybe running, running with the wrong crowd. And I hope these, hope these young men get a second chance, you know, and hope they can learn from their mistakes. Absolutely. Let's, let's hope that they right the ship there with those three young men and it does not negatively uh, affect uh, the program recruiting, anything like that. Um, so let's move on to some, some more positive things. Uh, the big 12 has announced that they will have men's and women's basketball games in the upcoming season being played in Mexico city. Um, it'll be, uh, this season will be Kansas versus Houston at the arena CDMX in Mexico city played in December. In conjunction with that, uh, it's not just Big 12 uh, basketball, but the football is looking to expand and play some games there as well. Um, looks like they're they're really trying to uh, extend their brand out of the United States, maybe a little more globally. Uh, certainly, it's it's great for college basketball. But what do you think of the Big 12 being at the forefront of this? Surely, it's got to give them a leg up, maybe on some recruiting, getting some uh, recognition out there for for their conference and the teams that are in it. So what are your thoughts on this move? Well, I mean, if you look at, at what the NBA's done in past years, you know, the NBA's made a concerted effort to get down there to Mexico City and those fans down there in Mexico, you know, they they've they've really fallen in love with 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 all of the sports up here that we've got going on in North America. You know, they play they play the same sports, but you know, they've really those those fans there in Mexico City have really become invested in the in the NFL, the NBA, uh, you know, they're really baseball, you know, they've really uh, become a fan of, of our, our sports. You know, I think, you know, down there, they, they're two big sports, obviously soccer and baseball and, and, uh, you know, but they've, I think the professional level, they've made a concerned effort to, to reach that audience down there in Mexico city. And I think it's great that the, the college game is going to get down there. Look, you've got Houston right there. Um, you know, big 12 is really Southern, you know, you know, lots of teams in Texas, uh, you know, touch, touch Mexico. And, you know, it's a, it is. It's a recruiting tool, like you said, too. You know, you know, there's a lot of good athletes that come out of Mexico, lots of good basketball players. So it's a good uh, good recruiting tool. I think it's good to get those those, uh, those Hispanic fans down there in Mexico invested in our game. And, you know, at no, no other way, especially you put Houston and Kansas down there, you're putting your two best schools. You know, Houston's going to be joining the Big 12 here shortly. So why not put your two best, your two big dogs down there in Kansas and Houston right there? So really excited to see that. And I think the fans, fans are going to be excited for that as well. Yeah. And I think another aspect of it that, that shouldn't be overlooked is, you know, with the, the ability of, of these athletes to be able to transfer and, and switch schools, you're now opening up another pipeline to maybe an untapped resource to, to uh, re maybe replace some athletes as you leave them or, or, or bring some in and, and develop them uh, to bolster your program. So I uh, absolutely agree uh, about how significant of a move this is, and, and it's good to see the Big 12 being at the forefront of that. I'm pretty excited about this. So um, the uh, NCAA has made some uh, rules uh, changes, some adjustments, uh, some significant, some a little minor, but I wanted to go through them and, and talk a little bit about them. Uh, the one that I think is um, – well, there's a couple, but this first one is about the charge block rule. So in the past, uh, up, up till now, if 
if the defender um, was was in in place, had his feet set um, before the um, even if the player was in the air, he could still draw that charge. The rule now is being tweaked a little bit uh, and, and is quoted as saying that it requires a defender to be in position to draw a charge at the time the offensive player plants a foot to go airborne for a shot. So they're, they're tweaking that a little bit that uh, it, once the player's in the air and that's no longer a charge, uh, obviously this is a probably a nod to uh, player safety. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how do you think it affects um, the game, and do you agree with the rule? I, I actually love the rule, and I, I do agree with you. I think, Trip, it is a uh, it is there to help player safety. You know, you don't want players, you know, just jumping in front of someone who's already airborne, you know. And, I, you know, I've played for you, played basketball for you, um, you know, played at a high level at, at the Lano basketball program, and, um, you know, seen a lot of high-level, you know, college basketball being able to – to call play by play. And I I think it, I think it's a great, I think it's a really solid rule and it's a really good rule because at the end of the day, charges and blocks blocks have have gotten to the point where it's not even defense. And look, you know, I I know basketball, you know, I'm kind of from the, that previous regime, you know, 27 years old, previous, the, 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 the previous era of basketball, you know, graduating 2015 from high school playing for you and, and everything. I'm still kind of where, where you get, you know, nowadays you can't breathe on someone without them calling a foul, but, you know, I'm from that old regime where it's tough, hard nosed basketball. And I think I, I, I am a fan of, of, of tough defense and, and playing hard defense, but at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the times these these blocks these players are taking it, it's not defense it's just let me stand in front of a guy and let him run me over you know and I I think if you know it helps the offensive player they're doing it for for player safety like you're saying but I also think they're they've gotten to the point where a lot of these blocks that are being taken they're it's not real defense it's just let me stand in front of someone and get run over if that means jumping in front of somebody who's already airborne so that's my opinion on it you know I think a lot of Coaches that are tough, hard-nosed defensive coaches probably aren't going to like it, but I think it—I think it helps the offensive player. And look, I think I'm all for. I love college basketball. I think it's—I I like it personally better than the than the NBA. I—I um, I, I think it'll add a little bit of spice to the college game. I think we, um, you know, seeing a lot more blocking. You know, because because think about this: these kids are taught how to take a charge from day one. You know, you're taught tough hard-nosed defense, stand in front of the guy, take the ball in the chest, and you take the hit. You know, I think this right here is going to help the offensive players a little bit better. So I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in favor of the rule. Yeah, I think uh, to your point, um, many years ago, you know, it was it really had to be blatant to be called a charge, and it was, as you said, tough, hard-nosed. And then the pendulum swung the other way where uh, there were so many, you know, questionable calls that that, that could go either way, probably should have been – um, blocks, but they were kind of wanting to maybe reward that effort. But I think it has gotten uh, out of hand where you're getting so many, which should be non-calls called as charges. Uh, and then there is some some safety concerns. So uh, I agree with you on that. And I think that's a, a good rule uh, there. Um, they did mention um, that part of this was in response to the NCAA members um, had complained about too many charge calls. So um, again, it is good that they're listening to, um, you know, to their stakeholders as well. 
Um, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, at the college level, not everybody's game is polished. You know, the offensive – anybody that watches college basketball, you know, it's obviously not anywhere near as structured as, as the professional game. Uh, they're not all developed yet. So, you, you get some of these guys that just get out of control offensively. But at the same time, I don't think – you know, while they're out of control, all you got to do is just – you don't even have to play defense sometimes. You just step in front of them, they'll run into you. I don't think you should really be rewarded for not really playing defense, you know. So, I don't know. That's just me. Right. No, I agree. And you see all the time, particularly at the younger levels, where as soon as there's any kind of contact, they'll yeah. they'll contort their body and throw up a circus shot yeah. trying to draw the and one. So, maybe this will alleviate that. Maybe this will filter down to you know, the high school level as well. Um, other rules um, – the officials now can, um, on during the next media timeout, if they made a call on the floor for um, basket interference, if they made that call on the floor, they can then at the next media timeout go and review it. So I don't think this is necessarily that big of a deal because I don't know how many times a game that there is a questionable uh, basket interference call, but uh, I do think if we want integrity of the game, if we want to make sure that they get these calls right, you're able to review other things. I, I think it's reasonable to do this, um, and I don't think it's going to slow the game down because I think it's uh, an infrequent enough occurrence uh, on this basket interference call, but now they do have the ability to review it. Again, it's only if they made the call on the floor to begin with. They can't go back and if they didn't call basket interference. They can't go back in and change it to basket interference. I'm, I'm good with that. You know, I'm good with that. Yeah. Again, this is not a, uh, not a very controversial rule. Um, so uh, I think that's reasonable as well. Um, again, the idea is to, to get the call right. Um, the you, um, you being a coach, you being a coach. And obviously I know at the high school level until you get to, to state, you can't really review stuff. What are your What are your thoughts as a coach? I'd like to hear with 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 reviews making its way into high school and college. You know, I, I think um, at the college level, it's 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 probably uh, justified and, and reasonable. I mean, you've you've got uh, a, let's face it, it's big business. There's a lot of money. You've got um, you know huge dollar contracts, that kind of thing. But I, I always like to view high school sports as really the the most pure of it. And human error is a part of the game that we all love, and it's, it's a part of baseball, it's a part of football. And so I think at the at the um, high school level, short of maybe the state tournament, um, I think you, you, you player error because uh, or um, human error is part of it because I don't think that uh, if it comes down for the most part to to one call shouldn't uh, determine the game. And if that happens, um, you know. If it's that close, uh, I find that hard to believe. Usually there's a, a whole list of other things that could have been done, uh, whether it was a, a poor turnover, poor shot selection, not blocking out, that could have affected the game at least as much, if not more so, uh, than maybe one missed call. So I, I definitely do not think it's appropriate at the high school level. Yeah, and I, I do agree with what Drew and, and BJ are throwing in there. I, I do think high school does need to implement a shot clock, Uh just to throw, I know that's not really a talking point, but I think that is something that I do. Uh, some states do it, you know. Us here in us here in Texas, uh, uh, you know, here in Texas we don't have one. Some other states do have one, but I'm I agree with what Drew's saying there. I think we should 
should at least get into a yeah you know get into it maybe at least 35 seconds what the college game used to be so that's just right the, the the no shot clock really favors um the the less talented team because they can kind of and you see it sometimes and and heck we've we've probably done it against uh tried to do it against uh liberty hill years ago where where you're you're just trying to hold on to the ball not shoot run as much clock as you can because you are outmanned and and it's really not very fundamental um as far as uh, part of the game and again um you know, you want to be able to coach your kids during practice on on how to overcome some of these things as far as the trapping, the press, the pressure, rather than ways to uh, avoid it. Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, at some point, you're going to have to to face that adversity. So I would agree. Uh, I don't think a shot clock is coming in the near future for high school Texas basketball, but uh, I would welcome that as well. So, all right. Um, now, uh, here's one that is. Uh, interesting a a timeout will be granted to an airborne player with possession of the ball say so what uh, so reading a comment a timeout will be granted to an airborne player with possession of the ball so like if if i'm up in the air and i have a ball and, and maybe i'm going out of bounds and i can get a timeout call they'll grant that airborne player i like that i like that because it used to be that way you used to be able to do that you know i think Gosh, uh, I mean, it's not the Chris Weber rule, but it was kind of, you know, I, you know, Chris Weber was just him running out of timeouts. But, uh, you know, I think it was something like, you know, falling out of bounds, falling out of bounds, timeout, timeout, that kind of thing. I like it. You've got possession of the ball, and then you should be able to call a timeout, whether you're in the air or not. Right. I think it rewards uh, effort and hustle. You know, right now what you're doing is, is you're, you're having these guys maybe go and dive for it and tip it back in, and, and that could – uh, lead to a layup the other way and which is in that instance almost penalizing your hustle so yeah. um, you know I think and again you know it's something that, that coaches have to work with their players about when it's appropriate when it's not because you don't want to burn all your timeouts but end of a half end of a close game absolutely use it yeah. now you're in the first quarter of a 6-4 game don't burn a timeout right there but uh, I think it is something that that maybe in close games could could be a, a strategy piece there and um, I like that idea as well. Um, players allowed to wear any numbers between zero and 99. So it's no longer just the, you know, what you can have on one hand, you know, or that kind of thing, you know, two, two, five instead of seven. Yeah. Now they're able to wear any number. So the only people I think this negatively affects, and it's not really an effect, but makes it maybe a touch more difficult on is, uh, the officials communicating through the scorer's table on a foul, but I don't think there's really any plus or negative to, to this other than, um, the, you know, let the official, wear whatever they want. The, the, whoever the official scorer is, or which is usually the referee or the, uh, or the, or the, yeah, whoever's doing the clock and scoreboard is going to hate that. <laughs> but no. BJ, I don't know if they've changed that rule. BJ just threw that in. I don't think, I think that's a, I think that's this year. Okay, and, and maybe I'm behind on that one. So no, no, no. I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. I think this is yeah, going okay. to affect this next year. Yeah. Okay, um, and then one more here is that um, non-student bench personnel will be allowed to serve as peacekeepers on the floor during an altercation. So again, that's non-student bench personnel. So um, assistant coaches or anything like that, they can step onto the floor, I guess, uh, without fear of. Um, uh, 
any kind of technical foul, as long as it, it says here, um, non-student. So I think um, it's one of the dumbest rules ever. You know, if there's an altercation and a guy takes one step onto the floor, as long as he's not, you know, they get, I, I think it's a silly rule. I know that's, you see it a lot more at the NBA level, but you know, if you take one step onto the floor, you shouldn't be. Right. Especially now, if you step on and you involve yourself in the fight, absolutely. Exactly, but if yeah. you're going on either one step on, or for, if you're going on to try to calm things down, yeah, you know, prevent something, then I think, um, yeah, that, that should not be penalized. So I think that's uh, reasonable as well. Um, and then this one I saw um, says that, uh, the sh this is the last one. The shot clock can reset to 20 seconds on an offensive rebound that hits the rim. So, I like that. Yeah. Um, so, again, I don't think. I think before it went to. I forgot. I think it did reset, but I don't think it was as high as 20. I could be wrong on that. Okay. Did it specify in that? Did it specify? Uh, I didn't. It didn't. I thought it went higher, but uh, I think that's a reasonable uh, time frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right. So that was a kind of uh, just a look at some of these uh, rule changes um, being implemented. So I thought some of them were interesting. As I said, most of them were not controversial. Uh, just tweaking of rules that were already in place or, or some adjustments. So um, there's that to look forward to. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, couple of names uh, changing teams um, or uh, changing commitments to teams. Uh, don't know if you saw some of this, but Simeon Wiltshire, he was, uh, according to ESPN, the number 28 ranked player, according to ESPN. And he initially had committed to uh, North Carolina and then he reopened his commitment and now has gone to, um, has committed to St. John's. He's a 6'4 guard out of uh, New Jersey. Uh, huge pickup for St. John's, and and I gotta imagine that that Rick Pitino had had quite a bit to do with that decision to go there. Um, but I think that's you know you get the number twenty eight ranked player. Uh, that's got to be um, noteworthy news um, both for St. John's and, and and pretty disappointing for North Carolina coming off of um, the year that they had. Uh, following the, the the title run they had the year before this past year didn't even make the tournament now they lose mm -hmm. number 28 ranked player it's got to be disheartening well yeah i think you nailed that perfectly right there i think obviously rick patino i mean if you followed college basketball might do might do some sketchy things to recruit or off the court but at the end of the day he knows how to coach basketball and i think probably uh, obviously, Rick Pitino going to St. John's is, is going to entice a lot of these players to, to look into, change their commitment, or just look into going there. But I do think, like you said, the kind of year North Carolina had, unfortunately, for Hubert Davis, um, he was the first five-star commit, I think, that he was able to, to sign after taking over for Roy Williams. So that's a that's a big blow to Hubert Davis there at North Carolina. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big pickup for, for, for Rick Pitino is getting a five-star recruit coming into St. John's. Absolutely. Uh, another one here, Arthur Kaluma, uh, 6'8", uh, player, played at Creighton last year, uh, also represented the Uganda national team, um, and he is transferring to K-State, to Kansas State. Uh, he averaged 11.8 points, six rebounds last season. He attended the draft combine, but then withdrew his name and, and opted to stay uh, at least another year in college. Um, I mean, 6'8", uh, you know, almost 12 points a game. Got to be uh, uh, 
great news for uh, Kansas State. Uh, I think that he's gonna he's gonna do really well there. Didn't know if you had seen that. What are your thoughts on on that? Man, I love Jerome Tang. He is. I mean, I, I followed him closely. You know, when he was at Baylor with Scott Drew, and man, what a first year he had there with Kansas State, taking him to the Elite Eight. And uh, the one challenge that um, that Jerome Tang's going to have is having to rebuild a, a squad. The Kansas State uh, lost a lot of players. Um, you know, he's gonna probably, you know, this is a big pickup for him. It's going to be able to help replace, you know, the the stud guard, Keontae Johnson and whatnot. So, um, you know, that's a big pickup for Jerome Tang. And who wouldn't want to go play for him right now? I mean, I mean, he he's a fantastic human being. He's a great coach. And he, he he's truly like the, uh, you know, me and you on our previous college basketball or college football podcast have, raved about, you know, Jeff, Jeff Trailer down at UTSA saying how much, you know, those kids love it, love going to play for him. I mean, who wouldn't want to go play for Jerome Tang right now? I got a, I got a big, uh, big feeling that the, Jerome Tang with this transfer portal is going to be able to reel in a lot of players. Absolutely. And, and this last one is, is old news, but, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. And, and I want to tie it into maybe the bigger picture um, but Bronny, LeBron James' son, is is headed off to USC, so he's going to stay in the LA area, where obviously his dad is playing for the Lakers. Um, you know, obviously LeBron James did not go to um, college; he went directly from high school to the, the pros, as we all know. The interesting thing about this is that if if after um, one year, um, two years, whatever, if, if Bronny goes uh, into the NBA, um, there's a possibility he could play with his dad. And that is something that uh, LeBron James has made uh, abundantly clear that he would love to play with his son. He did make the point, and I thought this was, was noteworthy, that he said that, that this was his dream, not necessarily Bronny's dream. So it may or may not come to fruition. But I think the idea of him staying close to, to his dad, staying in L.A., uh, that maybe um, they're setting the table. Obviously, we all know that, that LeBron James has, whether you agree or not, has some ability with the front office and, and, and probably has earned that right. And so he may be, um, you know, have some things in play to, to close out his career playing with his son. Um, but obviously, Bronny is, is a tremendous talent, a uh, huge pickup for USC. And uh, I just thought it was really noteworthy and interesting because of the tied to the LA area and to his dad, LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you got to think at the end of the day that, you know, <laughs> LeBron's wanting to keep Bronny close to home. And I mean, you know, LeBron has openly said, you know, like you mentioned, you know, wherever Bronny gets drafted, you know, he's probably going to want to maybe play those last few years of his NBA career with Bronny, wherever that may be. And, you know, if you're LeBron, you'd love to keep him in Los Angeles. Um, I know some of our listeners have uh, seen the the recent news with with Kyrie trying to re recruit LeBron to Dallas. So you know maybe if maybe some of our our Mavs fans listeners out there uh, could could get a get a Kyrie LeBron reunion, but then maybe try to go after uh, Bronny with Dallas. Depends on the kind. Of All right. Well, we've we've lost uh, T Mac there for the time being. He'll jump back on. Um, so I think he was kind of reiterating the idea of. Uh, LeBron and his son playing together. Um, all right, we got him back. Sorry about all that. right. No, but yeah, what I'm saying, you know, and I, I think it's a great pickup. USC's a USC's a grit and grind kind of team. They they they're a team that that uh, you know they've had a couple 
uh, Andy Enfield these last few years has, has had a couple first-round disappointing exits. Um, I think the Pac-12 is maybe not the conference it used to be in basketball, but you've still got some of your, your top dogs that are pretty heavy. You've got UCLA, you've got USC, uh, you've got Arizona. You've got some really good programs that are still in the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, USC's had a couple of uh, first-round exits, but, you know, don't forget two years ago they made an Elite Eight run and, and nearly got to the Final Four there in 2021. So this is this is a big pickup for Andy Enfield out there in Los Angeles for USC. And, uh, you know, I know LeBron's loving it, being able to keep, keep Bronny near home. And I can't, I can't emphasize this point enough as a, as a Notre Dame football fan. Uh, I can't like anything having to do with USC and, and you see how USC football program is on the rise and, and they're definitely be there now. They're a basketball team. Uh, looks like they're headed in the right direction. This is, this is not good news um, <laughs> for, for the Notre Dame uh, faithful such as myself, but no heck of a heck of a pickup for USC as we said. So all right, um, uh, let's let's talk some way too early things about next season. You know, we've talked some news, we've talked some recruiting. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to run down some teams that, uh, according to um, ESPN's Jeff Borzello, this is his top ten preseason men's top ten, and I want to get your thoughts. A couple of things to think about as I go through these: Is there anybody that is on there that you think shouldn't be? Um, or who is not on there that should be, or if you think they they need to be in the top 10, but maybe they're ranked too high, too low, that kind of thing. So um, I'll start with number 10, uh, Marquette. Um, and number nine is UConn. Number eight is Florida Atlantic. Then Gonzaga, Houston, Tennessee, Sparty, Michigan State, Purdue, Duke, Kansas. So initial thoughts, maybe, um, and, and I know it's tough because you don't have that list in front of you, but the top, the top five was Kansas, number one, Duke, number two, Purdue, Michigan State, and Tennessee. What are mm -hmm. your thoughts on that top five? Well, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm a big Big 12 guy. I know you are as well. Um, and I think, I think the, anybody that's a fan of Big 12 basketball knows just how scary good Kansas is going to be again this year. Um, probably, uh, you know, another great year for the Jayhawks there. And, uh, you know, didn't, you know, I believe they lost to Arkansas in, in the uh, second round. So, uh, I actually had Kansas winning it all this past year and was, was pretty shocked, uh, when, when they did fall to Arkansas, uh, thing that the thing I, th and I think this is how college basketball is turning into is it's, you know, you've got the one and done rule. Now, you know, it's been in effect for quite a while now. You've got the one and done rule. Um, college basketball is turned into, especially with, you know, we're still got some guys that are still in their COVID years. Um, if you've got, if you've the, necessarily the best teams are not going, or the best, you've got, you've got your Dukes, you've got your Kansas, you've got your, your UCLA's, you've got all these guys that are going to have stud prospects coming in and be one and done. But to win in college basketball is about experience and age. You've got all, you know, I'll use my my team for example. You know my Texas Tech Red Raiders and uh, you know Chris Beard, um, who who was able to take Tech on so many runs and then and then this recent uh, stretch with with Mark Adams. You know using the transfer portal and being able to get these fifth and sixth year guys uh, with age. And I think that's something that Kansas is really they're going to be one of the the oldest teams out there uh, in college basketball. You know they return Kevin McCullough. Uh, we don't like to talk about him. 
uh, with Texas Tech much anymore. We don't we don't really uh, talk about him anymore. But this is a this is a team right here that's going to have a lot of age. Uh, you've got you've got Dewan Harris coming back. Seems like he's been at Kansas for twenty years now. Uh, you've got a transfer coming in. I believe um, a guy from Towson coming in who can score score really well. Uh, McCullers is going to be back. KJ Adams, who I think is going to make a big jump. Uh, he's he's young, but KJ Adams. Um, you know, was a double-digit scorer. I think I expect him to really make a big jump this next year. Uh, and then you're going to have – I know they're getting another transfer coming in. Is it, I think it's the uh, the, the tall, lank, lanky lefty from Michigan. I believe he transferred into Kansas as well. Um, so Kansas is going to be loaded. It's going to be hard to beat them. I know they lost – they're losing a few guys. They're losing Grady Dick. Um, you know, they've lost Christian Brown to the draft last year. So they've lost a little bit, but they're, um, they're Bill Self's – reloading pretty good um you look at some of these other teams on here i believe you mentioned duke john shire uh you know he's gonna have uh the team back ready to go i think past year for duke was probably a little bit of a of a down year for them um you know i know jeremy roach is is going to be back he's he's probably he's their engine there at duke uh so they get him back another veteran in the in, in the locker room there um I, I noticed i think bj or someone mentioned a comment I saw this a few days ago. Zach Eady for for uh, for Purdue, the the reigning player of the year um, for for Purdue. He's going to be back. Uh, you know, he's he was a twenty point scorer. Gosh, he's seven three. Whatever he is, he's a force to reckon with. And uh, I think I think uh, Zach Eady, you know, is probably got a bad taste in his mouth losing to a sixteen seed this past year. So I think Purdue, you know, they're kind of weird. Uh, you know, they're that Big Ten school. They're gonna. They're going to be up there. They'll probably be the number one ranked team through half the year and then um, do something silly in the tournament, lose to a team they probably shouldn't lose to. But tell you, tell you the team I really like right here is Tom Izzo. Um, oh, that was, was a, you're stealing my thunder. That's where I was going. Well, go for it. You got it. You, I've done a lot of talking. Let's let's hear what you got uh, about about Sparty. So uh, similar to what I think with Kansas, obviously, you know, all these top tier teams have unbelievable talents. And, and um, when you start trying to piece together what maybe can start to separate them, um, the, you know, as you said, it's uh, some continuity between the players. Have they played uh, enough together? Are they one and dones? That kind of thing. But then I think it comes down to um, coaching. And then I think it comes down to some, some continuity with the coaching. And I think uh, Kansas, obviously, with Bill Self, definitely um, has that. But I think Tom Izzo, um, and, and we're going to talk about him a little bit in the coach's corner um, when we get to that. But Tom Izzo, I think, has has done it the right way and done it well for so long. And I think he was on the, on the cusp of uh, of it last year. And I really think that that he is is kind of going to be the, the it factor uh, for Michigan State to to have them take that next step. So nah, um, I don't want to give away too much because we're going to give our, our way too early picks. But I definitely think that, um, you know, number five, that they should be ranked a little closer to the top in this preseason poll. Um, but I really do like uh, the parallels between him and Bill Self as far as, I mean, that continuity, that staying in the same place for long periods of time, the ability to uh, handle this tremendous amount of, of talent. So um, I really think that, that he's a difference maker. Uh, you know, when you have so many other things that are, the same uh, as far as uh, equal talent levels, uh, opportunities to recruit that, um, you know, that, that these type of coaches can make the difference. 
I, I think I, I think uh, coaching at the uh, college level, Coach Trip is is a tremendous factor. You've got a lot of these kids. I mean, you look at you, you look at how how good a lot of these uh, these these coaches are at the you know Izzo, Bill Self, you know Mark Few up there at Gonzaga. Um, these guys get these kids to go night in and night out and play at a high level, and I think coaching is a huge factor at the you know the NBA level. Not so much college basketball. It's a huge. It's a huge key. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, you mentioned few at Gonzaga. I mean, another great example of that. And and he, uh, I mean, obviously now Gonzaga obviously is on the map, but but for that program um, before they were the 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 blue blood that they I don't want to say blue blood, but the the perennial contender that they are, they had to start somewhere, and, and it you know comes from that that continuity on that coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you about uh, Florida Atlantic at number eight. Uh, obviously, had a, had a great year. What uh, what are your thoughts on that? Can they can they repeat that? Um, have that type of success two years uh, in a row? I think so. Playing in the uh, you know being there in the Conference USA, um, you know the thing they're they're a they're a team now that's known there. FAU, uh, the Conference USA, right there. Is a is a conference that uh, they can go in there and dominate. I mean, they were a thirty-plus win team this last year. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, being a nine seed, you know, thirty-plus uh, wins, being a nine seed, uh, you know, it's they, they didn't get a lot of respect. Uh, the, you know, being that, and I think now they're probably getting their respect here, uh, being in possibly in the top ten. Um, but we'll see. They they're gonna have a. They're 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 a grit they're a good three point shooting team and they're a good defensive team. That's how they play ball there, and we'll see if they can they can uh, run it back there. Conference USA is a good conference, so you got Memphis, you've got some really good teams there. Uh, it's a it's a good conference right there, I think. All right, well, um, going to lead me into this next thing here. I'd like to jump in and do a a coach's corner segment because I want to um, talk to you a little bit about uh, some some fantastic coaches that, that are no longer coaching and then some that are. And I want to um, uh, kind of point out some things that are going to tie into this top 10. All right. So um, the first thing um, I want to talk about is uh, give me, if you can, just off the top of your head without researching it, the um, top maybe five uh, all-time active winning as coaches. Who do you think those are? I'm gonna give you ten here, but I want to see what you can I'm, get. I'm, I'm picking mine or or the winningest coaches. Winning that I'm sure. Yeah, winningest all time wins, most active. Ooh. I got to throw Izzo in there. He's got to okay. be in there somewhere. Um, Bill Self. Okay. Um. Oh man, uh, he stumped me here. I'd say Coach K, but he's he's retired. Um, so we'll get to him in a minute. And if 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 you're stumped, you know I'll go through them. I just wanted to get your initial thoughts there. All right, that's a great question. So here's the the point I'm going to make. I'm going to go through them here. But uh, of the teams that we just talked about in in ESPN's top ten, four of the teams, four of the all-time winningest coaches are on that top ten. Four out of ten. So uh, and and I'm going to give you this here, and we'll talk about it here. So the number one active is Bob Huggins. So he's at Tennessee now. Yeah, that surprised me. He was at West Virginia for a long time. 
he has 863 wins. Okay. He got in a little bit of trouble this offseason. He did, and he gets in trouble quite a bit. <laughs> um, number number two, uh, all-time winningest active coach is Rick Patino, who's who's no longer at Iona. Um, mm-hmm. St. John's now 834. Just behind him, John Calipari, Kentucky at 832. This one surprised me. Cliff Ellis of Coastal Carolina with 830. Hmm. Um, Bill Self of Kansas, 787, so you called him. This one may surprise you. It definitely surprised me, and I guess I just didn't think he had been around as long. Um, Rick Barnes, Tennessee. I, no, I was, that, he was my next guess. He was my next guess, yeah. Um, 779. Uh, Dana Altman. Do what? I was going to throw Bruce Pearl and Rick Barnes out there. Those are my next two guesses. Yeah, I don't. Pearl didn't make it. Uh, Dana Altman of Oregon, seven thirty-one. Um, Jim uh, Laranga from Miami, six ninety-seven. Mark Few, Gonzaga, at six eighty-nine. And this is what surprised me a little bit here is um, Izzo um, at number ten. I mean, I just thought he had maybe more than some of those other guys. He has six hundred and eighty-five. Um, win. So, so that's the um, top 10 uh, all-time active uh, wins. Okay. So as we said, there was, uh, I may have said four, maybe only be three of them. Let me double check this. Kansas, Michigan State, um, Gonzaga, and oh, and, t- and yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. So four, four of the top 10. Uh, I mean, again, that's that's not that's just an ESP ranking, uh, ESPN ranking, but it kind of illustrates the point, I think, of how important, how significant, um, you know, coaching is, as, as you said, when all other things are equal. Mm-hmm. So. Um, all right. So now let's talk about the top 10 all time. See how many of these you can get. You, are, you already mentioned the first one. That's no surprise. Um, so top 10 uh, all uh, time winning as coaches. All time winning this coaches. Yeah. So obviously not active. How many I can guess. All right. Coach K. Yes. um, Bobby Knight. He's got to be somewhere. He's not second. I don't think. No, Um, he's not, but he's there. Bayheim's got to be on there. Okay. There's number two. Um, Oh, uh, wooden John wooden. Is he on there somewhere? Uh, he is not. Okay. Which is surprising. Um, man. All right. So I'll go through it again. Just there's yeah. so many, so many Roy great. Williams. Yep. Once you hear them, you'll be like, okay. All right. So let's start. Number 10 is Calipari yeah. with 832. Number nine is Patino with 834. Uh, Bob Huggins, 863. That's so weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Adolph Rupp, old school from okay. Kentucky, 876. Then um, Jim Calhoun from Yukon, remember him, 877. Mm-hmm. Then then Love the it. Dean, Dean Smith, Carolina, 879. Then Roy Williams at 903. Jim Beheim at um, 1116. And then Shashesky at, at 1202. So uh, you know, some of those, obviously the top 10, really no names on there surprised me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the some of those on the active list surprised me. 
Um, the, the, the Barnes surprised me a little bit. I don't know why. I guess I just think of him as younger, you know, maybe. And then the Izzo being number 10 um, kind of surprised me as well. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, this is, uh, you know, from um, statistical website I found. So some of those others, uh, obviously, Wooden, uh, from Jay Wright, um, names that, that came up on the comments, but uh, did not necessarily make that um, list. All right, so real quick before, uh, I know you had mentioned maybe something you wanted to get into, and, and I meant to do this before we got into the, the coach's corner here. Uh, since we went through the top 10 uh, preseason based off of ESPN, I wanted to get who you think, if you right now on you're going to Vegas, you were just in Vegas, you're going to lay down a, a $50 bet and who's going to win it all in college men's college basketball, who's your $50 going on? Who man. Um College basketball, you know how it can be. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, we could we could get anybody that wins this. But if yeah, if I got to go put money down, I mean, it's there's there's two teams that I really I love. Bill Self, there at Kansas, they've got an old team. They've got a bunch of guys now that have played with each other for for a few years now. Like I said, you know, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullers, uh, Junior, and you've got KJ Adams. You've got three guys in your starting lineup that have played a lot of ball together. And then you bring in uh, Dickinson from, uh, from, from Michigan. And, and I forgot who their other guy that they added. Um, I know they added another guy coming in, but you've got some guys that have a lot of continuity, uh, but I'll tell you the, the one I really love is, is Kelvin Sampson there, there Houston. Um, they play there in that American conference. That's a conference that I think they'll probably win again with ease. Uh, unfortunately they lose Marcus Sasser, one of the best players in all the country. Uh, he'll, he'll get drafted, but um, they're going to roll out another good lineup, and it doesn't matter who is is going to be out there for Houston. Uh, they're they're going to be a – you know, I know they got in an L.J. Cryer, I think, from Baylor. I know he's transferring in. Uh, he's a, he's an instant scorer right there for Houston. Um, so they're my, they're my two picks, my first two picks right there, Kansas and Houston. But if I had to put 50 bucks on it, I'm going to roll with the Jayhawks. Okay. Just because uh, of their continuity, uh, and, continuity yeah. and their age. Okay, so you you gave two, so you gave who's going to make it there. All right, so I'll I'll give you my two. Um, so uh, if anybody wants to win money, do do not pick my two because I, I'm never I never win with this kind of stuff. But I'm going to go. Uh, I already alluded to it earlier with um, Michigan State. Tom Izzo again. I, I think that uh, I mean just uh, he manages that program so well. He's been there so long. Obviously, he's top ten. Uh, all time or active winning as coaches. Um, so I'm going to put them there. And then I would say uh, Gonzaga. I think, um, yeah, I think uh, they're, they're going to be there. I think they're going to surprise some people. Um, and, and I think they're due for one. So I, I would say those two would be um, who I'm looking at. Um, so if, if uh, uh, you want to lose $50, Pick uh, my two, uh, Michigan State and Gonzaga. You want to win fifty dollars? Maybe, maybe you can go with uh, T Mac, and he has uh, Kansas and Houston. So, I'll tell you, no, and and BJ's BJ's giving you a little bit of love right there. Um, I think I think uh, I think Gonzaga gets a raw deal, uh, raw deal year in and year out. I think Mark Few is one of the best college basketball minds. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, gets unfairly criticized for playing in a bad conference, you know, being there in the WCC. The WCC is really not a bad conference. You've got some good schools. You've got you've got St. Mary, St. Mary, Gonzaga didn't even win the conference this year. St. Mary's did. 
uh, you've got a that's a tough little conference there um, there in the West Coast Conference. So uh, I think I think Gonzaga gets an unfair amount of criticism every year. And I think Mark Few is one of the best minds in college basketball. I love that pick there. I think one of these years, Gonzaga puts themselves in contention every single year. They bound to get it done one of these years, Coach Tripp. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. So, all right. Uh, Let's see. Do we have a comment here asking about time for my questions? All right. Yes, sir. Let's Let's hear it. Where, did you throw? Did you throw a question in here, Drew? Somewhere did we miss it? All right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> a little Homer question for you and I. Yeah, Drew too. Well, I, I certainly hope so. I would. I would love to see that. Well, um, you know, what, we got which tournament a few years ago? Let's let's get one going in basketball. They Drew. I don't know what tournament you're alluding to. They can't make the conference tournament. They're still on probation. They can't make – I mean, I'd love for them to be in there, you know, Coach Rose, and unfortunately we're losing our good friend Coach Burton, but the only thing they can qualify for is the Southland Conference Tournament. They can't – they unfortunately at this point are not eligible to compete for the for the the big dance yet. They're still on their Division One probation. they got to sit out for a couple years. Uh, they could. They could make the NIT. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be awfully cool. I think the guys probably have a better chance than the girls. Um I think what Coach Rose is doing, you know, had a great year with Demarcus Demonia. Uh, if you follow small college basketball like we do, um, you know, I think Commerce had a great year, uh, first year being a division. Think about this: they're, they're they were pretty much rolling out a Division two lineup against a bunch of D ones. They went in there and played, got to play Texas, uh, beat Air Force, beat Hawaii. They beat some really good teams there. So I'd love to see the guys uh, make it make it to the uh, tournament. I think the girls. Um, you know, might have a little bit of a tougher time under new leadership. Uh, Coach Burton, you know, like you're asking about, taking some of his girls with him there to UNT. I think Coach Burton is a hell of a coach. He's going to have a great uh, – uh, he's going to have a great run there at North Texas. I'm excited to keep up with him and start wearing some of my uh, – wearing some green with, with Coach Burton. So, so what, what about you, Tripp? What are you thinking? You think our lines? I know this is probably our last topic, and we'll wrap things up. But what about? I, I've got some gear for you back at the house. Some 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 A and M Commerce gear. I got to get to. Right. Well, I certainly love to rep it. Uh, for those that don't know, I didn't get my undergraduate degree there, but I got my uh, master's from uh, uh, from there. So I'm a proud uh, converted lion, and uh, really excited, uh, you know, to see them as they they move up uh, athletically. Um, and obviously, you know, first and foremost, I was a football guy. So, uh, obviously them, them winning it off a few years ago was great. And now them moving up basketball wise, is going to be exciting. Uh, we talked about it last year, trying to get to a game T-Mac. We need to try to get to football, basketball, baseball, whatever this year and, and, and go support and rep them out for sure. I've been awfully fortunate, you know, to be able to do some some games with ESPN and then Drew and BJ will know this, uh, you know, being able to do some radio with, with Charlie Chitwood. So I'll have to definitely take you up there. We'll have to get the gang all together there at the field house in, uh, in good old Commerce, Texas. So great. Hey, don't forget for the anyone watching, there should be a link in the uh, bio here to get some of our link. Uh, I mean, our merch that's uh, on sale for the next 48 hours. So please rep that. Uh, hopefully you like the show, subscribe, uh, spread the word. Uh, appreciate everybody interacting with us. 
and uh, we will hope to see everybody again next week. Same, same time, same bat time, same bat YouTube channel. Um, for uh, Trip and T Mac, we are signing off. Um, Till next time.